0: Let's go to the book of John chapter 12. Jesus, well, let me just start reading a couple verses. I didn't give them guys any notes back there, really don't have any, just a few comments wrote down. So here we go. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who has been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And there they made him supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. And then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for the four three hundred denarii and given to the poor? Then he said, "Not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a notice this he was a thief, and he had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it." But Jesus said, "Let her alone. She has kept this hour for the day of my burial." For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always have. And so I want you to know this. This is really the last moment that Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem where now he's going to go to the cross. The last, one of the last great miracles that Jesus did was to raise Lazarus from the dead. And I believe in that was a prophetic sign and statement of what he was going to do with all mankind, Charlie. That which is dead is now going to be raised to life through one Jesus Christ. So now a transition is going on. Everybody say transition. A transition is beginning to take place. He comes to a place called Bethany. Now, the definition of the word Bethany means this. It means the house of figs. That's one of the definitions. It's a fruitful place in sense. But it has another definition. It is a place of affliction. So when you put the two together, it means this. Out of affliction comes fruit. Now, I want you to think about that. He is going to enter into something that's going to transition him from just being the son of man walking the earth. Now he's going to be the son of God that's going to fulfill all righteousness and he's going to move from just teaching to now he's going to move into the place that he's going to save the world because that's what Jesus came to do. He said, I come to save sinners. So a transition is taking place. The past 30 years have been wonderful. But the next few days are going to be horrible. You talked about that through John chapter 15. That relationship that Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And you talked about that God was pruning. You you know, we used to say it like this. I, I used to hear messages like God's pruning his church when bad things were happening. Well, God just getting rid of the dead wood. Well, God is pruning the church, I believe, but He's pruning us so that His fruitfulness will come forth through our lives. Hello. I heard a prophet the other day that was at Free Chapel. They done something. Uh, Sunday night, they took Sunday night, had a prophet in. I think it's one of the first times uh, that they've had powerful service. You get a chance, go online, look at Sunday night service, 5 o'clock. I didn't know this brother, but God had begun to show him the things coming upon the earth back in 2018. Wasn't it 2018, 2019? Not knowing exactly what was going to happen, but he saw the trouble that was coming. This brother had ministered a lot in the Ukraine, so... That was dear to his heart. And God began to reveal things to him about the Ukraine. But this is what he said. All that we have gone through, if, I'm, if I heard it right, is being by the hand of the Lord to bring the church to that place for a worldwide revival like the world has never seen. And he said even this thing with the Ukraine that the Lord showed him, he said God is going to strike the paw of the bear. And when he strikes the pall of the bear, it's going to open up all of Europe for the move of God for the greatest harvest to be gathered. See, we don't understand the affliction and we don't understand the pain. But you and I have to know there was more prayer going up in 2020 and 2021 than has been going up since, uh, since 9-11. But the only difference about this one than that one, this affected the whole world. And everybody was on their knees crying out to the Lord. And Jesus is coming into this place called Bethany. And he stops by Lazarus' house. And Martha, whose name means dominant, and Mary's, whose name means bitter or rebellious, is now sitting at the feet of Jesus. I'm here to tell you and declare to you tonight that that which has been dominant and dominating and that which has been bitter and rebellious is going to bow at the feet of Jesus Lazarus' name simply means this. God has ruled, and God has declared His rule in the air, in the earth, and it's going to bow to Him. So as He's in the house of Lazarus, and they're sitting around, Martha serving, Mary pulls out a pound of oil, a pound of sweet spices, to anoint the feet of Jesus, and she's going to wipe it off with her hair. While she's standing there... Judas is Iscariot. Now, I've read this a million times, but really didn't see this until I read this story. The son of Simon. I thought, what Simon is that? Now, I began to search that a little bit. I don't know. I'm not going to build a doctrine on it. I don't have enough proof, and I didn't dig into it enough to really, you know, to to dissect it that much. But most of those that I read and looked after said this Judas Iscariot was possibly Simon Peter's son. Now, I've never seen that before. But I want you to think about it. There's a generational curse at work if that's the case. Because it's Peter that's going to deny the Lord, and it's Judas, his son, that's going to betray him. Now think about that for a moment. And Jesus is going to deal with it. So Simon comes in, or Judas comes in, and he says, why isn't this oil, or this, yes, why isn't this oil, why don't we sell it and give to the poor? And Jesus, discerning everything, knows you have nothing to do. This has nothing to do with the poor. Because he says something about Judas Iscariot. Judas carried the box or the bag of money. But the Bible said he's a thief. And even that which was put in it, he took for his own use. So I'm going to say to you, God's going to deal with something, I believe, in this hour. That there's many times God has blessed us and poured his spirit into us, and we are like Judas Iscariot. We are carrying the bag. Actually, Judas Iscariot's name, Judas, means praise of the Lord, but the Iscariot part means the man of murder. So here's a man giving praise to God with a murderous heart, with the with evil heart. And God says, God says to him, You're a thief. And I believe God is saying something to us. If we don't start acknowledging what God has put in our life to do with it, what God intended for it to be done, we are no better than Judas Iscariot. We are thieves of what God is doing. Hello. And he said, Jesus said this. He said, don't you worry about, and paraphrasing in Zach now, don't you worry about that, because he said the poor, he said, leave her alone. Let her minister unto me right now. The poor you will have with you always. Now, I've read that a million times too. And that's true. That is a true statement because Jesus wrote it. The poor will always be there. I believe we could say it better like this. You will have plenty of time to do good to the poor. But right now, this is what I have need of. Now, I want you to pay attention to that because, see, we can fall into the Judas spirit and don't even realize we're operating, but I feel like I'm supposed to be here. But is that what God said? Is that what God is looking for? Is that what the Lord is needing of us? He said, there's plenty of time to do these good things. What we need to be paying attention to is the fact of what Jesus, and that's what I'm pressing in on us because I'm dealing with the church tonight. I'm not dealing with the sinners. I'm not dealing with the world. I'm dealing with the core of the church. That we need to be paid. But pastor, I think this is what we ought to do. This is my heart. Well, is that what God is saying at the moment? He said, they'll always be there. Leave her alone. Let her minister unto me. She's right where I want her to be. Taking care of what I'm in. She is preparing me for my day of burial. Whether they understood all of that or not. That's what he said was happening. She is preparing Me for my day of burial. Then it says in verse 9, Now many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake, but they wanted to come and see Lazarus, the man that died that rose again. I want to tell you, not everybody that's going to walk into the house in these days are going to come with right motives and right intent to learn of Jesus, but they're going to say, You guys talk about miracles. You said miracles are going to happen. They're going to come to see the sign." That's why you and I need to talk about it. When God is doing something, we need to declare what the Lord is doing. Because people are drawn to that which is supernatural. They're going to come. And he said they wanted to see him who he raised from the dead. Verse 10 said, but the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death. Because on account of him, many of the Jews went away believing in Jesus. Religion said, man, we're not going to let that happen. We're going to stop that stuff. See, you'd believe there's a religious spirit at work in the world as well to stop everything that good that God has done because they know, Donnie, if they can see the truth. I want to tell you something. A man of experience is hard to have an argument with. I could tell you a lot of that, but pastor, I just don't get it. All I can tell you is I was blind, but now I see. All I can tell you was they wrapped me up through me. I didn't know they de- wrapped me I was dead, and four days later, they got me out and unwrapped me. I don't know how it happened, but Jesus, they told me that Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, and I heard something, and I came out of that grave. And then the next day the multitude came to the feast and they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem and they began to gather and cry Hosanna before him. Verse 16 says as Jesus was speaking that he came riding in on the donkey and was reading and quoting from the book of Isaiah. His disciples did not understand these things at first but when Jesus was glorified then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him, therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. You realize that every miracle and every healing. Miss June said this. I, I, I never really. I I've read a. have read just in our prayer w- one Saturday she said, you know, signs and wonders are a sign. It's a sign to get them to Jesus. And it just made more sense to me. You know, because if we're not, oh, we want to see signs and wonders in our church. We don't need a sign. We're already born again. We're already on the way to heaven. If you got to live in signs and wonders, you're going to miss something. They're not for you. They're for those out there that doesn't believe the Lord. But he said they'll follow. They came because of that. And the Pharisees themselves said, you see that you are accomplishing. They tried to shut him down. They said, you, you're, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone. Look at this. The world has gone after him. I believe that's why signs, because they're not looking for church. But I'm telling you, when signs and wonders, when blind eyes pop open, when limbs start growing out again, when people that were sick with cancers and tumors and everything starts falling off, and we start telling everybody about it, they're going to come, they're going to follow because that's what the world wants. People are looking for an answer. Now, there were certain Greeks among them. I'm getting down to where I'm supposed to go. Larry, you want to shift and. Larry's gonna come by. I've got a bucket there. I want you to get one grain of corn and hold on to it. I was believing for a full house, so we brought half a bushel of it anyway. Well, I am believing that. I'm praying that every day. I hope you'll start believing that. Now there were certain Greeks among them who came to worship at the feast. Certain Greeks. They were not of the household of faith. These would be, the word Greek there actually means they're the unstable ones. So the unstable ones were among those at the feast. And they came to Philip, who was from Bassadia of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus, but Jesus answered them and said, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. It's now time. The hour has come. The hour, everybody say the hour, the hour has come. That the glory of the Lord's gonna be revealed. A transition is taking place. He said, now it's time for me to step into what I've been brought onto this planet. And done. It caused me to bring up a, a word that Pastor Val uh, gave to us. I believe this was possibly to end of 2018 or, or 2019. It'll go along with what you preached last week. He said, "Exquisite vine, exquisite fruitful vine." He's watching us tonight. Exquisite fruitful vine. He has pruned the house, and some ha- some have said, "Will there be anything left?" But I have said and say to you again, you will start to bud before the season is even ready. I have set my heart upon you, and I've heard your cry, and you will see buds begin to take place again. But they will say, but it's too early, and if it buds too soon, it will freeze out. But I say, my hand is upon you, my covering is upon you, and I will see to it that the precious fruit of the vine will flourish in this season." It is an out-of-season miracle that will cause flourishing to come in everything you have prayed for. I have set my heart over you, and I'm pleased with you. Quit looking at what you don't have, and look at what I will show you. I have great and mighty things in store for your life, and I will tell you in this house, you are in the midst of a vital, vibrant growth will burst forth in a new way, and you will see my glory. You ask for it, you will walk in it, and you will taste of it, and those who turn their back will leave out without tasting the wonder of my blessing. I have it for you, and budding is started in this house now, and you will see it readily, and right soon, saith God. And that was from our our prophet here in the house. Are you guys aware that we really have a full functioning five-fold ministry gifts in this house? And that is very rare that that happens. But we have all of those gifts really. Now some of them may be mature are immature or not quite matured yet. But they are functioning in this house. Let me remind you of that word that Prophet Aguilar gave uh, Sunday night. At the end, toward the end that he spoke over the church. And I want to read it again. He said, Ezekiel 47, 9. Prophecy to Christ Church of the Heartland. March 6, 2022. Ezekiel 47, 9. Wherever the river flows, life will flourish. Hear the word of the Lord. By my decree, this city was established along the banks of the mighty Mississippi River. When it rages and overflows its banks, it can cause much destruction. Yet for the most part, it accomplishes what I created it to accomplish, to be a river that flows with life where everything in it and along its bank flourishes. But hear me, says the Lord, before this nation was founded, and the life-giving waters of the Mississippi were discovered, the powers of hell set about to erect satanic walls and strong towers along its banks, Satan knew the day would come when my glory would sweep across this nation, bringing a revival of power and unity, and he was determined to establish a line to keep that glory from spreading. Yes, there was a time where there was a bitter war between north and south, and in the minds of men, that war ended years ago. But in the hearts of men, it is still being played out today. But hear me, saith the Lord. The greatest unseen war in the natural is the war that is going on in the spiritual between the east and the west. There is a powerful move of my spirit that has been gaining momentum. It has been coming from what is considered the crossroads of the nation. This move of my glory began in the southeastern part of the nation and then trickled northward. And just as it thought it was about to die out, I rekindled the flame in the states of Illinois and Indiana. Understand, although this fire of revival has has had difficulty crossing over this river that divides this land, know that I established a plan long before Satan set up his strongholds, that those strongholds are coming down, and you are, are the instruments of I am going to use to bring these strongholds down. Song of, 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 uh, Song of Solomon 4, uh, 16. Awake, north wind. Rise up, south wind. Blow on my garden and spread its fragrance all around. The north wind, which is my breath that breathes life and revival, and the south wind speaks of my provision, will blow upon this city and cause a river mightier than the river that divides this nation to flow southward where it will meet up with my river coming from the east. And when they come together, it will be my oil and my wine blended together to create a force that will destroy ever satanic stronghold along both sides of the river. Know that out of the north end of this river, my breath will sweep along both sides of this river. That, that will first bring destruction as a river does when it overflows its banks. It will destroy all that are at war with my spirit and have worked to destroy my church and every move of my spirit. Yet I say to my beloved, my blood-bought church, do not let your hearts be troubled, for although I bring a sword against those who follow the powers of this world, I have established, I promise a blessing for you who have made me Lord of your life. Did I not say, wherever the river flows, life will flourish? That word, life, speaks of my breath, my presence, my glory that will flourish among my people Although this mighty river along the bank has flowed for centuries, the river of my glory is about to be unleashed in an unprecedented manner such has never been experienced in the land before. It is along the banks of the river in this city and every city on both sides of this river from north to south that my transformational healing waters flow. These healing waters will bring healing to every type of disease known to man, I will bring healing to those who have been bound by depression and possession. These healing waters will bring creative miracles as limbs and organs have been removed will suddenly reappear. These waters, y'all, ought to be excited. These waters will be healed. Will heal the broken hearted. Bring healing to the broken, torn relationships within families, friends, and races. These waters will bring about a unity and a love for one another and for the stranger down the road. Hear me. The river that has divided this land in the natural will be the central point in the spiritual that will unite this land. The uniting of the oil and the wine shall come together at this river, shall be a a fiery cauldron of revival that will radiate my glory to the four corners of this nation, and it will send waves of my glory to the nations. I call out this day to those whose heart has strayed from me, those who have rejected my love and my gift of salvation, and to those who have said, they are of the family of God, but... They do not serve me with a pure heart and continue to participate in those things that are unholy or an abomination to me. I call you to get your heart right before me before I close the door. To my shepherd who cares for my flock, prepare the spiritual nurseries. Make preparations for a great harvest. I ask this church, how prepared are you? To train and disciple a hundred or more new converts that will be added to your church in one day. You say within your heart, oh, that will never happen. Am I not God? Did I not add 3,000 to the 120 in one day? And did I not add an additional 2,000 in that number in one day? Not counting women and children. What makes you think I cannot do it again? Hear me. The harvest that I'm bringing in in this last hour will be so great that men will not be able to count the number of souls that will be added to the kingdom daily. So I ask you, are you prepared? I'm asking you, are you prepared? I say to you, it's time to stop walking in the natural. Start walking in the supernatural. My prophet Elijah said he heard the sound of abundance of rain. And I said to my servant David, when you hear the sound of the suffering of the mulberry trees, get ready, move out. I say now to you, lift up your ears towards the heavens. For there is a sound that I'm about to release upon the land. And it was the sound that was heard in the upper room, the sound... Of a rushing mighty wind, the wind is my breath, and it is the sound of revival for your city, your region, your schools, your churches, your homes. I will fulfill my word. I will fulfill my word, and I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Stop saying that the next generation will see the glory of God. You are the last generation. Before I come and take away my bride. Stop saying the days of signs and wonders are almost upon us. I say to you that this is the day of signs and wonders. What I spoke to the two blind men who cried out. Have mercy. I now speak unto you. According to your faith be it unto you. Hear me says the Lord of hosts. If it only took one sermon preached by a disciple. Empowered by the Holy Spirit for 3,000 swept into the kingdom. Kingdom. It only took a bush on fire to change the destiny of a nation. It only took a man who thought he was weakest person in the weakest tribe of Israel. To defeat 186,000 with 300 men. All it takes is for you. You let me take possession of your life as I did Peter. And as I did the bush. And as I did Gideon. And you will do the miracles. You will win the loss. Heal the sick, deliver those in bondages to drugs, alcohol, pornography, and oppression. Hear me, says the Lord of hosts. This is the hour for this house to be a house of fire. Listen to this last word. A place of my habitation where I can dwell in your presence as you rest in my glory. Hallelujah. See, he prophesied that, but I guarantee you we only heard a fraction. And you only heard a fraction. I'm going to make copies of this and hand them out for those that want it. Because see, these are things that we've got to start praying. And we've got to start believing. And we've got to start expecting. Really. I'm telling you, I'm going back to the prophet at Free Chapel, said the same thing to them. Almost the same words. He said, he prophesied over pastor. He said, listen, you're going to have a hard time shutting this church down. And he said, because I'm going to move. And he said to the generation, to all the young people in the house, listen, to us gray hairs in this house, we need to be praying, God, release this generation of young believers. Raise them up quickly. Listen, they're going to move into places that you and I are going to be threatened by, but we don't need to be threatened in this hour. We just need to sit back and say, God, fan them, because they're the ge- we are a part of that to help them out and walk with them. We're not going to be left out, but we need to be believing for the greatest move of God among our children and young people we've ever seen i know they seem to be messed up but there were greeks the unstable there with jesus he didn't cast them away they wanted to see jesus my son chad after that meeting was over one of the young men that the prophet prophesied his dad pastors in south carolina on the same sunday he said dad he sent me this word that a 90 year old lady, pastor was dad, was getting ready to preach. And this 90 year old lady in the service said, I got to prophesy the word of the Lord. And she speaks the word of the Lord. This is in a church, but I'm telling you, this. so. I, I'm wanting you to hear the connections all the way across. She said, Yay, I say. You can tell she's old time Pentecost. <laughs> that's, how, that's how we always prophesied here. Yay, I say. Yay, I say unto thee, my children. I'm in the midst of thee this day. Great and mighty is my power. My hand is upon this place. My people are beginning to wake up beginning to realize that I'm the God of heaven that has created all things yea I say fear thou not the future for I hold the future in my hands yea I say there's a coming move of my hand in a mighty way thou will see things in the spirit that you have never seen before yea I am not. am I not God am I not able to do the impossible I am at work in the United States and I am moving I'm bringing a victory that will even amaze thee. Yea, my children, put your faith in me. Do not look at the circumstances about thee. Oh, for I am in control. Yea, my spirit is going to move across the land. In a great measure. And I'm calling forth the people that will stand with me. That will believe with me. For yea, I say, victory is nigh at hand. Then she says, thank you, Jesus. I can just picture this old mama. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Then she picks up prophesying again. When thou come to my house. Listen to this. When thou comes to my house. Come expecting the move of my hand. Come expecting to hear great news. I'm stirring up this church for my glory. I want to use this church to stand firm for me. Don't back down. Stand for the truth. You're going to feel a difference in the spirit. You're going to see a mighty move of my hand. Souls delivered from sin. Souls healed and delivered. Yea, I say lift up thy pastor for he is called by me. And lo, I say a greater anointing shall come upon him. I'm going to show him some things to lead you into the great Anointing or into the deeper depths and higher heights with me. Come expecting my glory. Come expecting the move of my hand in a greater measure. I'm calling thee forth, my children. I'm calling thee forth to seek my face and to do the bidding of the Lord. Rest in me and know that I am God. Know that I am I that I'll not fail thee in this hour, but will stand mightily by thy side. Come rejoicing. Come believing. Oh, I say there's work being done in this church, a greater work than thou hast ever seen before, a greater move of my hand. Miracles and wonders shall be done in this place. Lo, I love thee with an everlasting love, and I shall teach thee... And everyone that calls upon my name, for I am a God of mercy, a God of love, and a God of deliverance. And yea, I say again, come expecting from my anointing. My anointing shall fall in this place to bring deliverance to ministry, to many. Lo, I say again, hold up my servant, hold him up, for lo, I see there's a great work for him to do in this place. He yields his vessel to me. He gives me freedom to move. Yea, I the Lord, thy God, has visited thee this day. And lo, I say in the day to come that you will look back on the day. And thou shalt say on that day the Lord started moving in a greater measure than ever before. If thou could see with spiritual eyes. Thou would see the mighty angels that are surrounding about the place to do a work in this place. Rejoice in me and be exceedingly glad, for I am the God, I am thy God, and thou art my people that I have called forth, and thou shalt, and I shall use thee, I shall anoint thee, and thou shalt be changed from glory to glory, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Now I know that was spoken in South Carolina, but I'm taking that for this house. Because I don't know why my son said that to me. Other dad, you need to hear this. But she said something in there. And Prophet said after we got out of here and got to the that, that I think I'll just drop in here right now. And I got to lay in this jet. I haven't even got close to where I wanted to be. Uh, but he said to me, said to me and Diane at at uh, at at, uh, at Applebee's after service. He said everybody's going to have to get involved in discipleship. That was one of the things. He said, everybody's going to have to be ready to be involved in discipleship, and you're going to disciple them in your homes. He said, you're going to have cell groups, so you need, to get, you need to get yourself people ready. You're going to have to get ready to bring people into your quarters. But then he said this to me. He said, you need seven men that will commit to you to take one day out of every week, and that one will commit to pray for you. And he said, you need to get Pastor Val to take charge of that and give them instruction of how to do it. And then I said that, I thought that was interesting. And then I get this word of what she's talking about praying for the man of God. This morning, I was awakened by another dream, a snake dream. And you guys know that when God shows me a snake, he's showing me an assignment. And I, that's how he shows me things, in dreams. And I don't know what, where we were. It was I know it was a church setting, but it really wasn't like here. But we were more like preparing for something. And all of a sudden, here comes a snake. And I mean, he's fast. It looked like a cobra because he had the broad head and, and a pretty big body. And and it was long like that. And he would come and he would dart. And then he would, he would go and he would hide. We'd have to find him. And the scene would change for me. And people would say, there's a snake in here. We'd go back there. And then I found myself. I found myself like in a quarters where like we were living, but it wasn't my home. My granddaughter was there. I think Diane was there. My granddaughter, JC was there. And this thing was darting at me. Man, he would come like just, you know, like I think he's going to bite me, you know, strike at me. and And then he would go back real quick. And then the next thing I know, it's like I'm out in the parking lot, and this thing darts out, and then all of a sudden, I've never seen this before, I've never had this happen in a dream, but he transforms, this snake transforms into a woman, and this woman stands up like she comes out of a, a fog or a mist, And but she looks like a princess, like a cartoon character that I would see on one of the cartoon shows, and, and like she's from another country, and she had a headdress of turban, and had that thing, you know, how they have, you know, jewelry that comes down. And I remember her garments She, she was dressed like, like, that's the only way I know how to describe her. And she speaks these words. Where are your men? And I woke up out of that dream. And I think, wow, what is this about? I thought the devil ain't going to give me a clue. He's a liar. But she's asking, where are the men? So I'm going to challenge every man in this house. In this time, we've got to step up. Step up in our homes. Step up on our jobs. Step up just in our lives. Step up here in the church and let's take our rightful position as men. I'm not diminishing women. I'm just saying there was something that demon was recognizing and he was moving in and out of the house. And I don't know why it happened like that. But it asked, she asked me, where are my men? And then the prophet said, you need to get seven men praying over you every day. And if some trouble comes up, you need to get them together to pray. I've already shared it with Pastor Val. And so I'm encouraging you. Let me land this jet right here, okay? Are you okay? So Jesus said, the hour has come. You got your grain of wheat? Everybody got one? Now notice what Jesus says about that wheat. Or corn. said, wheat. I know, I know, I know. Don't get out of the Holy Ghost. Let's get back. It's corn. But he said, except a grain of wheat in the scripture fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. I want to tell you what you got. You got last year's harvest. You don't have this year's harvest, you've got last year's harvest. This was a previous move. This was from last year's planting. But last year's planting is holding a future harvest. Now, I've got a choice of something to do. I asked Chad. Chad picked this up for me. And I asked Chad if he had any corn seed or something around the you know, house. So he went and bought because he plants you know things for deer. This is deer food. So here's the thing. Either we'll take what God has done with it, and we'll eat it, and that's all we'll ever have. Or we'll plant it and let it die, and we'll step into a new dimension that we haven't encountered yet. So Jesus said, except a grain of wheat fall to the ground... And die, it's going to abide there. May I say to us as Christ Church, please listen to everybody in this room. This is the moment you talk about that pruning again, tying everything together. I believe we're in a moment that we've got to die to some ideas of yesterday in order to embrace the idea of what God is doing today. And that's a hard thing for us to do. And the thing that is on the mind of the Lord at this moment is to save the world. Hello, It's to save the world, that all men, that's the whole reason. He's not worried about healing. He's already set healing in motion. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. He's not worried even about raising the dead naturally, but he's going to raise the dead spiritually. Everything on the mind of Jesus from this moment is to save the entire world. For this is the purpose of which he came, was that he could save the world. We've got to start getting the harvest of God on our mind and start thinking about it everywhere we go, that God, somebody is coming, somebody's needing me. But except that grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. And I thought, okay, it's got to get in the ground. Now, Mr. Jerry back there and Miss Judy are big farmers and and, and I'm a city boy, and I farm, and if I do it, it's in a five-gallon bucket, and I'm not going to do it, I don't think. I just assume you bring me some of your fruit. Hint, you know, the tithe of the tomato. You know what I'm talking about. But I thought, okay, God, you've been. You, one of the things that happens, they got to plow the ground and get the ground ready. But God's been plowing the ground. Over these last couple of years, the ground has been plowed. It's already been set. How did it get plowed? It got plowed by the word of God. It got plowed by the word of God. When God began to declare what he was doing in the earth and what time it was, the ground was prepared. And no doubt it was plowed, it was dissed, it was all set, It was rows were set. But then he said, somewhere we're going to have to die. Of, hey, this is just about me and, and my thing and what I want to do. That now I'm going to die. God, there's a greater picture in this thing. And I'm ready to live out my life totally for you and what you want me to do in this day. Even getting over the idea, well, what if it don't work? See, i got to die to that. What if I get to a place and God says, go minister to that person over there at the mall. Go minister to that person at one. But Lord, what I've got to die to that. You know, if I don't, it'll never see the harvest of that. Are my emotions, my feelings of how I feel to see the things of the Lord. And Then he puts it in the ground. He said, lest it die, it just abides alone. It's all it's ever going to be. And it'll wound up being food for some kind of wild beast. But if I let this thing die, if I'll plant what God is doing, if I'll put myself into the earth. And notice what he said. He put the seed into the earth, covered it up, no doubt. We got to get into the earth. We got to get where they are. Somehow we got to find our way. We need to start asking God. God, lead me to somebody to minister. You're probably, they're probably all around you every day, but we don't think that way. So we miss it. I know there's arguments of people that say, well, if God really wanted a minister to, he would do it. But God said, you're my instrument. God said, you're the one I'm going to use. And just like that seed, and I'm just going to land it here, and maybe I'll I'll have Jerry and Judy come and teach us on how to farm through the word of the Lord. Uh, But I know once it's planted, I'm like this. I expect the harvest the next day. I don't know about you. When I put it in the ground, I'm going, "Hey, did anything come up overnight?" Well, you know what? We really ought to expect that way because he said, "The hour has come when the when the when the reaper will overtake the sower." In other words, it's supernatural. It's going to happen so fast. So I'm going. Oh man, I got tomatoes. I'm ready to pick. But if it's not there, what do I do? I don't say, well, nothing's happening. What do I do? I keep declaring. I believe this is so important for us, that we keep speaking right now what God has been saying. And we keep declaring it, keep expecting. What did the little sister come expecting? Live expecting. You're the anointed of the Lord. I don't feel anointed. Who said you had to feel anointed? Because once David got anointed, he didn't come, uh, bring Samuel back, I don't feel anointed today. He was anointed once and moved as a king from that spot. Moved as the, the anointed of the Lord. And I don't know, maybe you guys, I don't know, he wasn't anointed twice anywhere, was he? I don't remember that. He was just anointed once. He was smeared. So I'm telling you, you've been smeared by the Holy Ghost. And you're anointed and appointed. And God said, I'm with you. And my presence, listen, Christ's church, He is not coming. He is with us. So when I start praying, I'm expecting miracles to happen in every house, every service, every time we pray. Listen, we're even going to move from quit praying for the sick to healing the sick. Come on. We're going to heal the sick. We're going to heal the sick. We're going to pray, but we're going—that's what he said. Do he said, heal the sick, and you're going to do it, not me and a few. I believe everybody in this house can do it. So get ready. Everybody ought to go to healing school so that we're prepared and we know we're ready. Come on and stand to your feet. Except a grain of wheat. Everybody knows it's corn, except a grain of wheat. So I say it so y'all don't mess me up. Except a grain of corn fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, if I'll plant it, if I'll believe it, I'll see a harvest that I can't contain. Wow. I'll see a harvest that I can't imagine, Miss Judy. And I see it like this, like I see those pictures in the fields of Kansas as they are harvesting, no doubt, grain. There are numbers of combines working side by side. I'm looking for every church to be filled. But if anybody's going to get filled, I'm not going to send everybody away. We might as well get ours filled. We want our barn overflowing as well as their barns, right? It's going to be a great, great time. Father, thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your word that's been released into this house. Thank you, God, for just a reminder tonight. God I just speak that over your people and I declare that you are here and that this is a house of healing this is a house of signs wonders and miracles it is a house where the harvest is gathered the bound are set free the broken are mended God I thank you that homes are put back together blind eyes open deaf ears hear cancers fall off limbs are growing out Father I thank you for the miraculous God I thank you that in this house according your word that we are all flourishing beyond what we could ever imagine even when gas is over four dollars i thank you god that we are a flourishing group of people we're not living in fear we're living in a rest of our god knowing that you are able to take care of us in jesus name everybody said